0: Oscar post mortem. Oh man, um, I dashed off a, a, a thing at, right after the Oscars with my initial thoughts, uh, and that was before we found out that it became the all-time lowest-rated Oscar cast in history.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Tim, just... although they have been they have been gradually going down. Yeah. It's not like it's not like it was very very high and this was a fall off. It's it's getting lower and lower and lower and this is the lowest of many lows.
0: But it's interesting because if you if you look at the ratings, they're getting uh about a 40 they're getting in the kind of low to mid 40 million audience all through uh all through the 70s, all through the 80s, pretty much all through the 90s as well with a couple of years uh, in 84 and 98, where, uh, or was 83, I guess, 83 and 98, where E.T. and Titanic spiked things up above a 50 million audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then after about 2002, you're still getting a few 40 million audiences, but you're getting a lot of 30s in there, 38 and 37, and then the last... But the last two, three, four years, it's been in the thirties, uh, mm-hmm. mid to high thirties, and this I, this just pl- dropped right off a cliff. Yeah. So, I mean, I think there are a lot of reasons for that. But first off,
1: your thought about the awards, uh, the act- actual winners and losers yeah. and all those yeah. kind of this stuff. In- you know, look an interesting sort of um, an interesting sort of uh, set of events. I, I-, I think Jordan Peele best screenplay. Uh, Deacon, Scott that cinematographer yeah. finally. Yeah. As opposed to Rachel Morrison, who yeah. had been nominated, first woman nominated for it, some yeah. blah, 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 all these kind of thing. So you have all these sort of, like, firsts happening. Yeah. I mean, even though Rachel didn't win, it was still a first yeah. when Roger did. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's an interesting thing. Um, um, so the, the awards show itself somewhat somber, kind of funny. Uh, but not particularly exciting. Um, you not, know, feel, not I,
0: feeling Jimmy Kimmel. Don't, I think two years in a row, he's done. You know, you can't you can't bring back the host of the lowest rated show in history. You know, you it's,
1: it's funny. This is the low ratings. Not his fault. Of course, it's not his
0: fault. But you know um, what? It's it's it, it, it's not exciting to see Jimmy Kimmel walk out. You know what I'm saying? The when you think about previous hosts, there's something about the host where they need to walk out and they need to kind of bring it. And I think the whole idea of late night hosts, which worked for Johnny Carson, I think it has worked less well for others. Uh, so they've they've got to come out and they got to bring it. It's got to be somebody of a Bob. We don't have a Bob Hope anymore. You know, uh, when you think Billy Crystal would always come out with
1: some kind of shtick. Well, Bill, Billy, Billy brought the whole – it's a different, different thing. He's singing, the dancing. But, but you know, and, and when Whoopi's hosted it, she's, she's brought it. Again, yeah, the whole thing.
0: Ellen, Ellen, a little bit less. But, you know, she still had kind of a thing. But I, I, you, just, you, you need a host who, who kind of brings some weight, some gravitas, some fun, some expectations.
1: The thing of and it is – I
0: don't know who can do that.
1: I, I am not sure. That the Academy Awards, the show itself, what it means, what it's all about, the movies, the movie stars—none of these things are the same anymore. Not. There's no one who walks onto the, that stage anymore that brings the same sort of attention and heft and weight and interest as any number of people that I could name from years gone by. There isn't a, hum, there's a human being who could do it. Uh, uh, yeah, anybody who walks on that stage, it's, y'all be like, oh, you know, that's that, yeah. and that guy. <laughs> you know, yeah, it, I, got, it, I got into a Twitter war with him last week. Yeah, you know, yeah. so and and that and that that's not just because you and I happen to live here and work in this business. I think it's just true in general. Yeah, um, because of the nature of celebrity, it isn't the same as it used to be. Ah, uh, movie stardom, celebrity certainly isn't the same as it used to be. True. Um, all of these things are different now. They play in the zeitgeist differently. Uh, um, the, the millennials, these people we that we call millennials, who don't go to the movies. Yeah. Uh, you you, you want to you you figure out that number that we've been talking about, right? Yeah. I think go through it demographically and you'll pretty much come up with the missing viewers. Yeah. And those missing viewers are going to be people under the age of 25 yeah. who do not give a good golly goddamn. <laughs> about about because you're playing, you know, so, Disaster Warrior 15 or whatever so it is. So I, I
0: think I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to start up a a thread on this on uh, on synagods because I want to get as much public input as possible. So everybody who's listening to this, head on over to uh, to the Cinegods' we- uh, Facebook page. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to do a thing this week at some point. I I want to know what would what keeps people away from the movies. I want people to tell us. I want I want to know what keeps go so going over there actually
1: actually going to the actually,
0: theater. what actually prevents you from going to the theater? And I don't I don't mean you know like well there's more interesting stuff at home or Netflix. What it it, it it don't it's the alternatives I'm not I'm not really concerned about. You are not go- I mean, I guess that could be a legitimate answer but um things like well the concessions are too much, I don't have enough time, the movies aren't good enough. Those are all the obvious ones. And I kind of want to know what both what would, and I'll phrase it. I'll figure out how to phrase it. But um,
1: it is keep, a tough thing, though. because I mean, it's because you know you you want to say all things being equal, all things being equal, what would be, but, the, but things but are what not would, all, not all equal. What would bring you back to the movies?
0: You know, because I often, you know, people obviously there's the there's always the 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 representation argument, which is well, you know, people want to see themselves on the screen. And I think for certain, at certain times and for certain groups that's true. I think women want to see themselves mm. on the screen. I think certainly you know if you're, if you're from a particular ethnic group you want to sometimes see yourself on mm, screen. We, but, see,
1: we see what happened with Black Panther we sure. see what happened with Wonder Woman
0: but you know I, I also want to see other people on screen I, I want I go to French movies because I mm. want to you know be taken
1: there I, I think Japanese et cetera yeah. all of that so the, so the, so the, so the question Because very often the things that keep people out of the movie theater have nothing whatsoever to do with the actual movies, right? So, uh, and and when when people when people say this, it's a true thing. So uh, the cost of that ticket, yeah, uh, that's a thing that might keep a person out. I doesn't have anything to do. Do want to see the movie? Love to see that movie. It costs seventeen dollars. Uh, so, you know, it doesn't have anything to do with movie. It has to do with the movie cost. Uh, the cost of parking. The fact that I have to park and go in there. The, you know, just that. So cost, I think, is the big thing. What can the filmmaker, you, what can a filmmaker do about that? Pretty much nothing. It, not, a, not, not the filmmaker. Chris, Chris Nolan can't do nothing about that.
0: And I've been saying this for a long time, too, that the the problem to all of these issues is risk. The reason the movies aren't better is because nobody wants to take risk. The reason that there aren't more women directing movies is because nobody wants to take a risk. It's never been done before. The reason that there aren't more black actors playing parts that are non race specific is it's a risk. Oh. The reason that, that that gay films only play in like three or four screens and only go to Outfest and then go straight to video is because nobody thinks they're mainstream. They don't want to take a risk. Mm. The reason that we even have a thing called faith-based films, mm. which are kind of this ghetto where, you know, you yeah. market it in Alabama and, you know, in you get, Texas. get the and church old,
1: groups come out. Yeah and, yeah,
0: and Because you don't want to take a risk. It's, it, I mean, you can go right – the reason foreign language films no longer go into, into movies is nobody wants to take a risk. All of that goes away as soon as some group of smart people says, you know, let's, just, let's roll the dice a
1: little bit. Mm-hmm. And then all that goes away. And, 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 and it, it, with that uh, enveloped in, frankly, I think it has to be enveloped in a sort of cost to earnings ratio that makes sense again. Yeah. All movies, uh, in terms of the desired cost earnings ratio, cannot be. I'm going to spend 150 million dollars in a movie that uh-huh. I want to make a billion dollars. Yeah, if that is the determinative sort of dynamic, you know, particularly for the big companies, and frankly, it is. You know, uh, that's the you know this is what we're going to do. So you can't if you if you cannot have a circumstance where people can say, you know what. Uh, Sure, you can spend a uh, million dollars, two million dollars, five million dollars, $6, yeah. six million dollars on that movie. Your, yep. your return your return now only has to be, you know what I mean? Yeah. In, 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 which we live through. We live through that film industry yeah. where, where, you know, you could get somebody to give you $600,000 to make a movie. You take that movie out. You do all your P&A. You spend, you spend maybe four or five million dollars all together to get your movie out into the world and represent it well. Yeah. And then that movie would make back 12 or 13 million dollars over the course of its life. And everybody was happy. Yeah. And you did it again, and you did it again, and you did it again. It doesn't work that way anymore. No,
0: it doesn't. And I'm... i, I... I'm trying to figure out. You know, there's too much noise out there with everything. I mean, obviously, the internet and the democratization of everything, as I like to call it, is what's really kind of making it hard for. Mm. You know, we got a mall that's going to shut down over yeah. here. The Westside uh, Pavilion West Side Mall Pavilion here mall. is shutting down because uh, two other adjacent malls at Santa Monica Place and in Century City they both went way upscale. Mm. And and then you know you throw in Amazon mm-hmm. and nobody really needing to shop anymore. The two I
1: lived in those malls. When I we lived too? in Westwood. Well, all of those malls you just mentioned, but yeah.
0: And the two, you know, they lost their two department stores, and yeah. you can't you can't have a mall without a couple of department stores anchoring to anchor those in the, ends, yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's you know it's all changing, and I'm trying to figure out is there you know the the movie experience is still valuable to people, but but how do you fix this? System to make people come back out again. So look for that. Look for that on CineGods.com. Go over and like the CineGods page, uh, and uh, and you'll get uh, you'll find out when that goes. But otherwise, the awards. You know, I thought uh, I really, really did think my prognostication this year was that uh, Lady Bird would shock everybody mm. and get best picture, but um, apparently, uh, Shape of Water was
1: less unpopular than I thought it would be. Mm. You know, this 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 was not a movie that I loved. No, I didn't either. It. So, you know, I appreciated this movie, but, you know, it was never on my list particularly high in any of the categories. No. And then it just sort of, like, cleaned up the evening. Uh, maybe there was a, a, an attitude or something that was at work in the room.
0: I, I you know, I'm going to guess, because it ultimately comes down to that, that preferential ballot. So either one of two things happened. Either it received uh, more than 50% of the first place votes on the first ballot mm-hmm. and just won outright – Which I don't think is possible. I know a lot of people loved uh, Three Billboards, and I know a lot of people obviously loved uh, Lady Bird and Get Out. So I'm gonna, you know, if I'm trying to read the tea leaves, uh, I think ultimately, because you know, what's what's exceptional about this is this is the first time since 2009. This is the first time since 2009, almost a decade that the film that won Best Picture won the most awards outright. Mm. That hasn't happened for for almost a decade. Yeah, And it's also the first film since 1994 that won Best Picture without being even nominated for the SAG Ensemble Award, which was the first year the SAG Ensemble Award was even held. Mm. So those two statistics to me are really interesting. Uh, I'm not quite sure what to make of them, but uh, I've got to believe that when it came down to putting a number two film down, that even people who listed those other movies probably just defaulted to *Shape of Water* because it had the
1: most nominations. Yeah, it's just that sort of broad. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's just it looks
0: good, and it's even though I don't particularly like it, it's just it feels like the 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 more important film. Mm. You, it, know? you know, in this particular year, I just I think I think uh, you know, um, I hate to say it, but I I think a lot of people probably looked at *Lady Bird* and just said. That's Chick Flick. And they looked at Get Out and said, oh, well, that's like a horror film. And I, I that's too genre, Too controversial. Too on the nose. You know, uh, but probably just thought those don't feel like Best Picture winners.
1: On the other hand, a couple of films that one would think of as Best Picture sort of, yeah. you know, that Steven Spielberg, that sort of, you know, the yeah. post, that's yeah. it. Yeah. Not fair. Uh, you know, I mean, Stephen never had a shot. No, never had a shot. Uh, yep. And, you know, Dunkirk, you know, it did what it did. Uh, but, but, you know, still, yeah. you know. Uh, so you know I don't know it's an, an odd year for sure it was uh, definitely
0: but I was glad to see Lee Smith finally win an Oscar for editing uh, Dunkirk yeah. uh, you know Nadim and I went to the, um, the you didn't go to the the big laugh Shindig up at the uh, Chateau Marmont for, no. for Dunkirk no. so I took Nadim our our good friend Nadim George uh, took him up there and we uh, we chatted up Kenneth Branagh and everybody else and had a, <laughs> had a fun old time with Dunkirk and we spent most of the time sitting at a table with uh Lee Smith and his wife who's yeah. Canadian and uh, you know I, I, the,
1: Vener- a venerable
0: editor didn't even need for him to be the editor he just had an Australian accent and I like talking to Aussies it's that simple you know if <laughs> the, the, the busboy had been Aussie I would have been talking to him for an hour but um, no we had a great old talk with Lee Smith and such an unbelievably nice and unassuming guy I mean this is one of the legendary editors of all time mm. Has done almost all of Peter Weir's great movies I mean he's been at it for over 30 years mm and uh you know he's done all of Christopher Nolan's big movies dark knight when you've done when you've done you know the truman show and dark knight and and all i mean that's a that's a major career and just the nicest guy in the world, and doesn't really want to talk about himself. And it was just so unassuming. And seeing him walk up there and collect that, Man. I just thought was great. It was there, great. There were a few moments like that. There yeah. were a few moments,
1: including and the Roger Deakins moment, including the Jordan Peele for moment, sure, for you know, sure. The Francis McDormand moment. Yeah. Uh, all of Gary these good moments. Gary, Gary Oldman's moment. yeah Gary Oldman, yeah. Gary Oldman finally went on a bit, but he's but still, nevertheless, yeah, okay. But, you know, it's been yeah, a while. And, George, and he mentioned his mum, so I'm over right. He
0: did, and I, you know what? I here's the, here's what inspired me. There were a number of moments that I found very, very inspiring. And the two that were were most inspiring was right out of the gate. And this is why I had higher hopes for the evening and it didn't quite go that way. But Sam Rockwell, so gracious, so appreciative, so just, uh, you know, uh, so deserving. And that just, that almost got a tear to my eye. And then that moment when Jordan Peele said, I started and stopped writing this thing so many times because I thought nobody would want to make this who would want to see this all that self-doubt when was the last i'm starting to get Mm -hmm. maybe right here when was the last time that you had a writer, an actor, a director go up there and confess their self-doubt yeah, yeah, in yeah. the moment of winning an award. Yeah,
1: generally speaking, hubris rules today. It does. That was
0: such a pure transparent moment. And I thought that just speaks to every artist out there who's suffering from writer's block, who's gone on, you know, their their 29th audition and it's just not working out for them. Everybody who's just been beaten down. There's a moment,
1: and there's a thing, in the, so like you know, we've been beating up the Oscars for you know for yeah. twenty minutes here. I know we actually have to actually do yeah. the show that we actually yeah. did, <laughs> uh, but you know, yeah, it's post Oscars. And but when you do look at Lady Bird and Get Out. Yeah. Uh, the, and the the fact of them, what what, what whatever they won or didn't win, yeah. because you know, sometimes I think we get a little hung up on the win oh yeah yeah win. yeah, we, yeah. You know, whatever with that crap. Yeah. The fact of the matter is, uh, Get Out got nominated for uh, a bunch of Academy Awards. The brother got nominated for a whole sister, yeah, Greta first first, first film, Sorcer, right, first yeah, yeah, the, writer the, director the and producer, young ladies. Uh, young man brown people Guillermo people forget i mean talking he's a Mexican all right that's a brown dude that's a brown dude you know that's a brown dude and well, the, I'm, the three amigos the have three, won four yeah, of the last five those directing all awards all brown people and, and yeah. them, them coco people so this these academy awards yeah uh this industry now this is a better industry Yes. I know we've been talking crap about it for 20 minutes, but, yes. but this is a better industry. This is, a, this is an it's, industry that I actually feel like I'm a part of now, and I can actually do something in. It's hard, but it's possible. But it, it, but it needs
0: for those people, it, it needs to, it, we need to figure out how to make the movies that bring people back into the theaters, again. And my question is, are we making the movies, maybe this is a better way to phrase it, are we making the movies that will bring people back Are we not making the movies? Are we not marketing them correctly? Are we not distributing them correctly? Are we not exhibiting them correctly? Are we charging too much? Where where in that process is the process breaking down? Is it breaking down in
1: one, two, three, all of these places? And I'm not sure I have the answer. And maybe we shouldn't even mess with the categories. Maybe the question is simply this. Is there anything that will bring you, meaning the audience, Back to the theaters. Why? You, you, you tell me. In we, your busy day.
0: Yeah. In your busy day. Here, Here's what I remember. Here's what I remember uh, really enjoying about the, the process, even though it was a big pain. From the time that I started really actively going to the movies, late 70s, all the way into um, early 90s, when I didn't have to wait in lines anymore, because I, I was a press person now, and we yeah. got to see him free. But, <laughs> yeah. but for, you know, all through the 80s, uh and, and from the late 70s right into into those early 90s um i loved waiting in line mm. i loved the fact that uh, here it is opening day of the empire strikes back and there's nobody in school so you go to the theater and there it is half your high school is waiting in line wrapped around the block yeah For a whole bunch of different showings. I loved waiting in line for E.T. I loved waiting in line for Star Trek The Motion Picture. I loved waiting in line for Superman 2 for the first Tim Burton Batman, which was a midnight showing on opening night I was going to. and I was still in St. Louis for that one. It was crazy around the block. Waited in line for like an hour and a half for that thing. You know, none of this reserved seating. It was just for wusses. Um, Because the enthusiasm was there. Yeah. People wanted to wait in line but, for two hours in their busy day.
1: But let us not forget, because, you, know, be, you know, being a red carpet press person for a yeah. long time, this was true. This has been true recently. Yeah. I, I have covered the two days of people standing online for those Twilight movies. Yeah, You know, that's yeah. what you and I are talking about. The thing yeah, is, I've covered sure. that. That's recent. That I've is. covered that regarding the Harry Potter movies. Yeah, you know. So 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 it's not like that doesn't happen. It doesn't happen like it used to happen, but it happens. So uh, so what
0: would you know, what would it take to make you be that enthused that excited about a movie again where I can't wait for it to come out it's 6 months away and I'm going to go and I'm going to dress up eh, maybe you won't dress up and <laughs> and I'm going to set up a tent on Hollywood Boulevard and I am going to stay there so that I get the first seat the best seat I get in there you know what would it take to generate that level of enthusiasm well, for the movie well
1: even when even when we were doing that it was event films that we were doing it yeah,
0: for but that's a question we don't you we know. haven't when was the last time we had those that well, nobody yeah, does we, that we, for we, Marvel but, films you know,
1: did not the Marvel like Like I say, those Twilight films, I remember walking those lines. uh, And uh, man, that was kind of goofy. And, you know, then I forget when the last Twilight film was, but uh, uh, it's been a while. And the Harry Potters and. Yeah, about 5 or 6 years ago. Right? Yeah. Now that I think about it. So but it's... certainly uh the, the one with Jennifer uh Lawrence where she kills all oh, the ki- children Hunger Games. Yeah, yeah, the, the children yeah. killing movie. Yeah. That, those those were kind of wacky. Um but you know, uh, but nothing but event films, nothing but event films, nothing but event films. That's yeah. all it is,
0: man. I mean the you know, I I made a point on one of my Facebook posts and I'll, I'll I'll retreat from the subject now, but um when you go back to if you look this year, if you look at the the nine films nominated For Best Picture. Mm -hmm. There are only two films there that were in the top 20 box office performers of the year. Mm -hmm. And that was Dunkirk and Get Out at 14 and 15. Mm -hmm. And they're separated by like, you know, five or six million dollars. They both earned more or less the same amount, which means that, you know, Get Out is far and away the most profitable Mm -hmm. of those films. It was made for less than 10 million dollars and it made, you know, 200 and some million. So that's that's just pure money right there. So those are the only two of those nine films that came close to being box office hits. And they are at 14 and 15. If you go back into the 50s and 60s and you look at the film, the five films nominated for Best Picture, three of them will always be top 10 performers. Mm. And the other two will be you know, 20, 30, or maybe an art film in there somewhere or something. But it was always like the number one, two, and four, or two, three, and five. There were always three performers. And it was usually one and two or
1: one and three were nominated for best picture. And this is still when we were talking about your 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 eight nine nom- nomination yeah. period.
0: No, this is this is five nominations. This is your five yeah. no- nominations. This is this period. is you know My Fair Lady and uh, Mary Poppins and uh, you know How the West Was Won and Lawrence of Arabia and Bridge on the River Kwai and uh, On the Waterfront. You know uh, from here to eternity. These movies are box office performers. Yeah. And uh, you know, I'm wondering how we
1: get back to that. Well, here's the thing: every film that you just mentioned, then I know you. I know we have to move on. Everything that, the film that you just mentioned, then I'm trying to think of if any of them would be box office performers today. Because I'm pretty sure that every film you just mentioned would be HB Would be an HBO movie.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I kind of think so. Yeah, you know. And uh, so not only would they be not be box office. Bridge on the River Choir, I love this movie with all my heart. You can't make that movie today. Yeah. Uh, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At all. Not as a movie. That's a. That's uh that's, that's a band of brothers. That's yeah. a Steven Spielberg film uh, on HBO. Yeah. So the nature of the thing. Anyway, sorry. Go on. Well, we're going to start off with
0: some uh, some kid vid. I got a bunch of kid vid here, and one I'm particularly fond of, which is incredibly well done. This is from the uh, people who do s- uh, uh, Skip Rope. We got a few things from Skip Rope Animation uh, today. Uh, this is. We're going on a bear hunt. I know what you're thinking. You're like, <laughs> what the, what, what's wrong with you, Wade? I just sat listening to you talk about Oscars for twenty uh, some minutes, and now you're talking about a bear hunt. Let me tell you something. I got a five year old daughter, uh, and one book that that survived for years. You know, you got you got to kind of up the game if, every, every little bit. When they're two, you read them some things. When they're three, you step it up to three year old stuff. And they're yeah. four, you step. You know what? There's a great kids book. It's called We're Going on a Bear Hunt, and you read that thing. A, it's just the artwork is so terrific. It's such a fun book. It has survived many, many, many generations uh, thanks, to Michael, thanks to Michael Rosen and Helen Oxenbury who, who wrote it. And it's just wonderful, wonderful stuff. The, il- the
1: illustrations are just so good. It's gorgeous.
0: so great. It's a family that's basically on vacation and they're looking for, you know, on a bear hunt and then uh, uh, they find a bear and the bear chases them all the way back home. And it's hilarious. But it's really sweet animation. Uh, you Very know, the, pastoral. It's really wonderful. This family with three kids and um they made a little animated uh, 25 minute version of it as they often do and it's just it's delightful it's true to the artwork it's true to the spirit of the book it's absolutely delightful the, uh, the you know the dog rufus is, is particularly fun and uh, i thought this was just uh, such a wonderful surprise i didn't even know that anybody had bothered doing this this was done in uh, 2016 so it is out to uh, out from uh, universal and uh, the people who, it's Skip Rope, and it's wonderful. I highly recommend it. it even has a couple of little special feature featurettes. And uh, let's see. got I'll get to the other Skip Rope stuff. Well, here, I'll do it right now. The, uh, the other two from Skip Rope. Uh, Miffy's Adventures, Big and Small. More Miffy, the weirdest-looking rabbit I've ever seen. This is uh, stop-motion animation. It's... Pretty rudim- rudimentary, gumby stuff, but uh, you know there there are uh, like eleven episodes on here, I think, and uh, it's it's fine. It skews very very young. Never really uh, caught my fancy, but you know Miffy, Miffy the friggin' white yeah, rabbit looking. with the little yeah, uh, and then uh, Regal Academy, the Grand Ball, is uh, also from Skip Rope. This is um the uh, this is kind of uh, what's the uh, what's the kind of Barbie esque thing that the 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 a stra- a strawberry shortcake i don't know this is like strawberry shortcake grown up i guess is maybe the better <laughs> way to put it yeah you know regal academy uh it's uh it, it's very high school clickish. i'm not sure i'd recommend this for pre-adolescent girls necessarily it's sort of going to and in- reinforce the uh the popular girl thing that'll take hold much too quickly uh cinderella is you know the headmistress here and it it just it takes the whole print, the Disney Princess industrial complex, into a really <laughs> weird, weird corner. So I'm, I'm, I'm not entirely down with Regal Academy, the, uh, and this particular episode, the or this particular in, uh, installment, the Grand Ball, which is three episodes. Um, but uh, you know, I'll, I will, I will not overly criticize it because I'm sure some people really love it. Yeah,
1: you yeah. you have issues with those princess yeah. situations.
0: Ben 10 continues to be hugely popular on Cartoon Network. Ben 10. We got uh, 20 episodes of Ben here. Uh, This is Villain Time is the name of this collection of 20 episodes. Uh, It's fine. It's pretty much the same stuff over and over. This is uh, Villain Time Season 1, Volume 1, so I'm sure we're going to get a whole lot more of these. Um, Ben is 10 here. And uh, is he growing up?
1: Yeah, no, bit, no, it stays, it stays the same. Because yeah, yeah. he
0: looks different in this from other ones, and I wasn't sure. I don't think I ever really focused on that too much. But um, anyway, Ben uh, Ben looks a little different from in, from previous Ben 10 installments, I guess different animation team, but continues to be uh, quite the uh, quite the hero, and aliens fear him for some weird reason. Doesn't make me think too much of aliens. I uh, got a couple from uh, Nickelodeon. Mainly boy-oriented stuff, so I can't say I have a great deal of uh, experience in how these actually translate. Uh, Paw Patrol, Sea Patrol, and the other one is Blaze and the Monster Machines: Heroes of Axel City. If you have boys, email us at godsatdigigods.com. Tell me what's going on here. Yeah. Uh, Blaze the Monster Machines: Big old, you know, monster trucks that talk and do fun things. There's four episodes here, and uh, then the the Paw Patrol pups. There's six episodes, and I. You know the Paw Patrol thing. I know a lot of little boys. We've been to some birthday parties where it's all Paw Patrol. Paw yeah, Paw Patrol. It's I, I, you know, whatever. They're dogs. Um, although speaking of dogs, the new Wes Anderson film. Oh yeah, Island of Dogs. Have you seen the trailer? No, for no that? I haven't seen the trailer. It's wild. Yeah, that is one wild looking movie. I mean, seriously, because after the Fantastic Mr. Fox, yeah, I you know which. Was was Wes Anderson's first stab at being a directing uh, a director of animation? animation yeah. you know the whole deal with that. He never was once in the same room with the animators.
1: I think he, I remember.
0: Yeah. He was in Paris and they were in London, and he was communicating with them by like phone and fax and email. Mm. I, it like how do you even direct a movie remotely? I, I just makes no sense to me. And there was a lot of kind of a lot of tender feelings about this. Uh-huh. Um, but still, the movie did well. Yeah. And uh, I thought, okay, he's never going to do animation again because he clearly doesn't have his heart in it. Uh, Boy, was I wrong. Um, This trailer, you got to check out the trailer. It looks amazing. It looks amazing. And the whole subject, it's this whole Japanese World War II thing and, you know, atomic bomb. And I I don't don't even know how to wrap my head around it, but it's just wild. It looks wild. Yeah, it looks great. Uh, We got a couple from Baby First. My daughter is way, way outside this age range now. So uh, Baby First does really very, very young educational stuff. Uh, This one is Color Crew, New Adventures. And the other one is ABC Galaxy of Learning. Got two hours worth of, of pretty intense educational stuff kind of couched in this very, very fun animation. Uh, it's worth it. It's worth it. You'll, you know, kids will learn. They absolutely will learn. Uh, it's amazing the things that they they glom onto. We've been using apps lately. Yeah, we've got these uh, educational apps to kind of help uh, help my daughter uh, learn. You know, reading and math and so forth. Absolutely working like a charm.
1: It's working you, like a charm. I gotta, you know, yeah, it's know, amazing. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm 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 big into the language ones. You know. Yeah, uh, Pimsler and a couple others, French and Spanish.
0: Oh, you gotta, you gotta recommend those. Oh, they're
1: they're fantastic. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, You know, it, anyway, it's a, it's a it's a weird thing the way those things actually work language into your head. That's true.
0: Uh, I got another Garfield, uh, his nine lives, and Garfield in the Rough on the disc. Nine lives. Uh, you know, it's too bad Mark isn't here because he hates Garfield with <laughs> such a passion. There was always, you know, maybe we should get him. Maybe we should get him on Skype and just go, Mark, what do you think about Garfield? <laughs> recorded 10 minute rant uh mark really hates garfield i i'm okay with garfield uh it's, gets a little old at a certain point i guess but uh you know 70 minutes worth of garfield is better than i always
1: preferred the the strip you know the comic strip without the there's a voice there yeah. and that was never the voice in my head true yeah you know, i don't know yeah. what you're going to do
0: uh, we got a little live-action thing here, uh, first-run, straight-to-DVD, uh, kid kind of ghost-huntery thing called Monsters at Large. Uh, this thing's been done, you know, a lot, and uh, this, this is a brand-new movie with uh, three kids who go looking for monsters. It's a little bit like a Monster Squad and obviously Ghostbusters, and, you know, this is nothing particularly new. Um, but it's got Stephen Tabalowski in it, which is always good for me, and mm-hmm. uh, Misha Barton, obviously still working, although really, um, where did she disappear to? Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's it, it it's straight up, um, it's straight up kid stuff. The only thing that might be of interest to people is that Brooklyn Prince is in this. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, who, from, from Florida, Florida Project. Project yeah. Um, not quite doing the same thing, but. Uh, if you're if you're a fan, if you're a newfound fan, you will certainly enjoy it. Um, PBS Kids and all things related to PBS, like Sesame Street. So here's what we've got there: Dinosaur Train, Big Pond Adventures. My daughter still loves Dinosaur Train. Uh, it's, there there are uh, eight episodes here, and uh, it's. You know, the same stuff. Dinosaur Train comes from the uh, the Henson factory, and it's it's fine. Uh, it, you know, some episodes are better than others. The uh, the two Sesame Street uh, titles here, I just still thoroughly enjoy. One is the best of Elmo, and the other one is the Elmo centric Love to Learn too. Anything related to Elmo uh, is popular in our house. This is just really really fun. A lot of great guest stars on here. A lot of great you know uh, actors and actresses who uh, take some time out to uh, have some fun. Uh, with Elmo, and it's really great. Uh, Amy Adams and Lupita Nyong'o and uh, Mindy Kaling. It's it's really, uh, it's a lot of fun. So, uh, the best of Elmo 4 and Love to Learn 2. Best of Elmo 4, Love to Learn 2. And then the last one, still don't quite get this, Cracking the Case, PJ Masks. So, the, the, ju- the little junior juvenile superhero thing, uh, it, There are a number of animated shows that do this, and there are six episodes here from PJ Masks uh, and this Cracking the Case disc. And I just – I kind of don't quite get the PJ Masks thing. This is from 20th Century Fox and uh, Entertainment One. Um, You know, Catboy, Owlette, and Gecko are the three little heroes, and uh, it it all seems kind of – It's it feels like an idea that was cooked up by a committee and it just I don't it doesn't really resonate, but it continues to be popular. So
1: shoot me shoot me in
0: the head. I'm a horrible person. Um, all right, Tim. Let's uh, new movies. Yeah, new movies. Let's kick into some new movies. Uh, you know,
1: the, the Disaster Artist, which didn't pop up that much. I know we already talked about the Academy Awards. Yeah. So we're not going to slip back into that again. We got but a the, lot you know, of Academy Award movies. This uh, week. Uh, yeah. So the Disaster Artist. So let's just as a film, uh, yeah. uh, you know, things related to all of that. Notwithstanding, yeah. I rather enjoyed the Disaster Artist. That's a I piece. That's a piece of work. I, I, I rather thought that James Franco gave a really interesting performance playing this guy Tommy Wazoo. If, you, yeah. if you've been in L.A. for a long time. Or grew up in LA the way yeah. Wade did. Wade did. Then this all plays a little bit different. I've been here for thirty years, yeah. so this all plays a little bit differently. Like I, I remember when that billboard went up. <laughs> I did
0: too. You know, we saw it all the time. Well, that was what early nineties. Early nineties. Yeah. Early nineties. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I, you know, uh, it was it was a few it was a few blocks away from the box office. Produc- yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, main office. Yeah. you had to you see and, it. You and I wrote for box office at that time, and uh, you know, whenever you're going to a screening or you're going anywhere on Sunset Boulevard, you keep bumping
1: into that damn billboard that and was you that, that thing. Like, are you kidding? Me? And for when a long time, I was, like, I was like, I was like, what? Like, what? Like, what is? Wait, what? You know? I, and then eventually, yeah. I figured it was a thing. So I went to see it. Uh, I don't know, early two thousands, I guess. Yeah. Awful. <laughs> uh, and and I understood that it was meant that, that it was that it was a thing by that point, yeah. and I didn't quite get into it in the way that people did. Say like the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Right, we went right. we would we do that too. Sure. You no, know? so it wasn't that for me, but apparently it was for some people.
0: Boy, why and, it
1: and and uh, you know, and James and his brother uh, you know, saw that. And the, the, the thing that I will say about the movie, Dave Franco, I really loved. He Dave. did a great job. He did a great job because we talked about job. James and all the yeah. country. And I feel bad about all of that because the person who really got cheated. In terms of the pats on the back and the kudos that they should have gotten, it's Dave. James will be fine. Yeah uh It's Dave who got kind of screwed. It's, a little his, bit. Movie, it's too. his movie. It's his movie. It's his movie. James yeah. is
0: basically doing an impression of Tommy, which he keeps doing, like his Golden Globe acceptance speech. He's got Tommy standing next to him, and he's doing an impression of the guy yeah. with, when he's standing a foot and a half away. When
1: Tommy tried to get it back. Anyway, this is the movie. Two Golden Globe nominations, Best Picture and Comedy, and all that kind of stuff. um Issues with respect to it at the Oscars. Special features: a gag reel, audio commentary, the, the making of this, that, and everything. Have some fun with the Disaster Artist. Yeah.
0: Uh Loving Vincent was uh was one of the films nominated for best animated feature film. It of course did not win. The film that won is one we talked about last week and we're actually going to talk about it again in just a minute. Uh but Loving Vincent um a really interesting film. Forget about the fact that the story this Vincent Van Gogh-centric story that is basically yeah. Citizen Kane is what it is. Yeah. They, they, they. It's, it's this whole kind of investigation mystery. Although our
1: Peter Rayner at our big show called it an episode of Columbo. Yeah, he did. <laughs> yes, he so did. Terrible. He did.
0: It is. It's more Citizen Kane than Columbo. <laughs> but that was that's classic Peter. Um, uh, uh, no, the the thing is, this
1: movie took a long
0: time to do because it is an oil-painted animation. It yeah. is not hand-drawn. It is not CGI. in the style
1: of Van Gogh's most famous works anyway.
0: And it is, despite the fact that the story is a little bit thin and a little derivative, and despite the fact that the the oil painting animation, which everyone has always asked, I wonder what an animated film would look like if every frame were painted. Yeah. This, this is what it would look like. And it would give you a headache yeah. because it is so much information. It's information overload. It really, really just... It,
1: it has that sort of Dr. Cat squiggle-mation yeah. thing kind of going, if people remember that. Yeah, even where, where, where
0: things are, are, are still, yeah. they're still moving. Yeah. Everything is and moving. Like,
1: and of course, these animators are trying to speak... To to the impact of Van Gogh's yeah. Starry Night kind of thing. So, you know, they're doing a the thing there. It's not, it's not a mistake. It's just what it is, and what it is bugs me.
0: It, it, it does. It bugs me too. Although I admire the effort. So, I have to say, I think this would have been better as, a, as an animated short. Mm. I think as an animated short, it they would have, have won an lost, Oscar. It would have still lost to
1: Kobe. It, it would. Yeah. It would <laughs> it have still, still lost, lost to Kobe. To, yeah. yeah.
0: Love basketball was, was just great. But, um,. Uh yeah the it's it still it, it, it there's a lot to admire here so it's not perfect uh, it's a little bit irritating in terms of its uh, its, its, its shortcomings. Nonetheless, uh, there are a lot of things to admire. So uh, you can admire it in fits and starts. It's probably worth uh, more of a rental than anything. But on Blu-ray, it is uh, you really, really do get the yeah. it, the detail beautifully.
1: It's very, very nicely done on Blu-ray.
0: So kudos to Cinedyme.
1: Yeah. For Friends of anime, they're going to have to go see that. Um, uh, Ladybird, we were just talking about that, written and directed uh, uh, debut film of Greta Gerwig, wonderful yeah. actress now, wonderful filmmaker too. Uh, look, I'm mean, I just, I'm just nuts about this film. It got, uh, it got okay. shut
0: out too, and yeah. I talked to so many people who said, "Oh, Lady Bird can't win Best Picture," and that, that's when I should have probably clued in that it was not as, uh, as popular as I
1: thought it was, mm. at least in the second place spot, but. Uh, uh, this I, this was this was I I preferred this this film was higher on my top ten list than Get Out, which is very high on my top ten yeah. list. This was higher. It was it, this was of all the nine nominated films, this is probably the highest for yeah. me. It's yeah. just a beautiful, beautiful movie. Yeah. Uh, uh, obviously a sort of women-centric film. Greta yeah. uh, Sorcheron and uh, Laurie Metcalf playing, yeah. uh, these roles, uh, set in about uh oh, this movie was set in the early two 2000- thousand, right around right uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, which is a very subtle thing but very important in the context of the dynamic of the movie. Yeah. A performance in this movie that people are, didn't talk about, and I was disappointed that it was Tracy Letts as the dad. Yeah. It's a women-centric Really good. Movie. But he was just so wonderful as this stoic yeah. dad. Uh, you know, living this life uh, yeah. in this movie with these women, uh, that he that he was just because you and I are both yeah. we're, we're dedicated to our girls, <laughs> uh, and this and this guy was this guy who's just dedicated yeah. to his girls. He's and and, and just yeah. trying to figure out how to negotiate all that. Anyway, this is lovely special features audio commentary with the director Greta Gerwig, the cinematographer. It's a really it's fun really commentary.
0: Film. So yeah, yeah fun commentary, Gerwig. and you know. Um, The uh, Beanie Feldstein is also really, really great in that.
1: Oh yes, the the, the, the little friend, yeah, funny.
0: And if you don't know Beanie Feldstein, who's showing up in a lot of stuff and who is wonderful in everything, and she's just so funny and so charming, is Jonah Hill's sister. Oh, did not know. Yeah. So, if and if you look, you go, oh yeah, of course. It Totally runs in the family. I get it. I see the resemblance and the humor and the timing and the whole thing. You're just like a your little female Jonah Hill. I get it uh but uh yeah so jonah hill and uh, and his sister beanie feldstein are storming the town uh coco we talked about the blu-ray last week we now have the 4k ultra hd of coco and uh, it is just pristine and gorgeous and phenomenal and uh you know not my favorite animated film of the year i prefer the breadwinner but mm-hmm. everyone else prefers coco it won the oscar uh, another uh, feather in the cap for pixar and I will say, Pixar does continue to dominate the CG animation landscape mm-hmm. for good reason. Mm-hmm. They do things that nobody else seems able to do with, with software. They, they are just head and shoulders above, and there are little things in Coco. That uh, are when I when I look back on stuff like uh, like the the first Toy Story, you yeah. realize just how far the technology has come. Yeah, it is amazing the things that they're able to do. Just leaps and bounds. Where this technology is going to be in 15, 20 years, I can't even imagine. Um, and uh, what's really cool is that you have uh, this thing here called Ultra Play, where you can uh, just. It, Go direct. I mean, it's 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 pretty great. It's uh it, it's a 4K only thing, and it, everything about the 4K is just it's it's mind boggling. If you want anything else, if you want the extra content, you got to go to the Blu-ray, which is included, and that's where you get the commentary and the the featurettes and all that stuff. So, um, but uh, really, it's it's pretty great um, on 4K. It's just it's kind of mind boggling. And also, Movies Anywhere, so you can add it to your Movies Anywhere library and you're good to go.
1: Boom, boom, boom. Um, Three billboards outside Ebbing... Missouri.
0: Which a lot of people thought would win Best Picture. Yeah. Sam it makes it won you know, the, the, the you know, SAG Award.
1: Yeah, Sam did great. Uh, good for him. It's not a thing. Even as I look at this, um, I, I still prefer that Woody Harrelson performance. I know you do. In the same movie. <laughs> I know you do. You know, if I, if, I, if I had to pick, of course, Francis won uh, and gave that beautiful speech. This film. Um, this, this was a film that fell into the category of things that, uh, that I like to call things that I appreciate more than things that I actually like. Yeah, uh, I don't actually like this movie. I don't uh, um, 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 I appreciate it. I understand what's going on, and, yeah. and, and and that sort of thing that's going on. But it, but it, but it, it it spins off uh, badly, it, it, in a, for in a couple of different ways. The,
0: the 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 criticism of this movie, which I think is is largely valid, um, is also ironically what a lot of people praised about it, and it all kind of comes from Martin McDonough. Yeah. And Martin McDonough did not get nominated for Best Director, and that again was the reason that this film was unlikely to win Best Picture, uh, because that just almost never happens. But uh, the, the the Martin McDonough as a not being American mm. and coming with his certainly re-
1: not a Midwestern American not as a Midwestern I happen Amer- to be. <laughs>
0: That's right. So he comes with that foreign sensibility, and whenever that happens, you 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 two things are are the result. Uh, People will look at it and go, you have no idea what really goes on in America. People don't talk like that. People don't interact with like that. That's just an, that's a foreigner looking at us with an outsider's and that, eye. And, not and really that is the it. thing
1: that's going on in this movie. But
0: people also look at that and they go, I love it. It's so not real. Yeah, it's a fresh look. It's a, a fresh, fresh look. That, it's, the, it's a hot you take. Know, he sees he, yeah, can, he can yeah, see no. us for what we really are. I'm yeah, like, no. Well, no. <laughs> no.
1: Yeah, none of no. None of these people. I'm from Missouri. None of these people are from anywhere in fucking Missouri. I can tell yeah. you that right now. Yeah. But but this is a, it's a powerful movie with an, with an interesting sort of thing going on in it. Yeah. Um, that I understand why people sort of move toward it. Seven Academy Award nominations, including that Best Picture nom, that didn't get Francis and Sam and all that. Deleted Scenes uh, and some other stuff on here. You know, it's a a film that I can recommend despite the fact that I said that I don't like it.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, A film that was very high on my top ten and uh, (laughs) which got a few Oscar nominations, not the big ones, but it did win Best Supporting Actress very deservedly, I, Tanya. Allison Janney took home a uh, sporting actress for playing uh, Tanya Harding's mom, her just crazy, zingy, zany, oppressive, cruel mom. And by the way, the clip that they showed mm. uh, in the diner where, where she says, you're a taker. Yes. And she's sitting there just getting the light in the cigarette. And I just thought that is so not even close to the best scene that you could have chosen as a clip during the Oscars. Why would you choose that one? And then, then I realized that pretty much every other scene she's in, yeah. she's spewing profanity. Yeah, she's cussing. There's nothing, yeah. nothing that could possibly yeah. be suitable as a clip on the Oscars. Uh, that was the only one. Uh, but uh, what, a, what a great movie. I love great this movie. Great movie. In, in, I love in, this movie. You
1: know, because a lot of people talked about the caricature yeah. of the mom yeah. that Allison is, was playing, except yeah. that she wasn't a caricature. No. Go look that lady up. She's yeah. on, you can find her own, you know. You She's at the look, end of I mean, the movie. She's at the end of the movie. You absolutely I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, with that fair coat and that yeah. cigarette and all. With the, and, with, and, and, with, and the parrot. And, and the parrot, yeah, poking at her. I'm like, it, it, but it seems like a thing that could only be, be made. Yeah. No, yeah. no, no, that was Tanya Harding's that, mom. And that's why Jay, I have all the empathy in the world for Tanya Harding.
0: It just, it started wrong. Yes. You know, here's here's the thing that's great about this movie. This movie falls into a very particular class of film, and and let's give you know all the uh, all the credit in the world. To everybody involved in this, Craig Gillespie, the Australian director, and uh, what I really thought was awesome was that uh, Steve Rogers, the screenwriter who wrote this, who's a real journeyman. Like Steve Rogers has never written anything even close to an Oscar-caliber film in his life. He's mm. just one of those guys that gets hired and he does the job and he takes a paycheck and he you know he walks and he goes on and it's just a real journeyman workman, workaday writer, right? Mm. And uh, here he wrote a thing that just it broke through and it's put him to a whole new level. And God bless you, Alice and Janie. She took Steve Rogers as her Oscar date. Yeah. Now how awesome is that? <laughs> she brought the writer to the Oscars because she gave him all the credit in the world for the part and for the award that she was almost certain to win, which yeah. she did. And I think that's so classy. But here's the thing: this is this is that bitter, dark, dark humor that you don't get in movies anymore. Yeah. You know, this is like Robocop dark humor. This is Doctor Strangelove dark. This is
1: Death to Smoochie. Death
0: to Smoochie dark. Yeah, this is one of those <laughs> movies. It is dark, bitter humor, and uh, 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 um, uh, the uh, Nicole Kidman thing.
1: Uh, oh, uh, with the, the Gus Van Sant. Uh, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. Which yeah, is well, you know, with the dan- oh my God, we're yeah. both drawing a yeah, blank yeah, on the but, title. Uh, the Gus Van
0: Sant film. Yeah, yeah. Uh, those are the movies that this really kind of emulates. And what they did, they interviewed people, everybody involved, to get their story on what actually happened, and they all lied through their teeth, and nobody told the straight story. And uh, the filmmakers smartly just kind of threw their yeah. hands in the air and just said, you know what? You make up your mind. We're going to give you the whole, yeah. the whole bucket. And they just—they made a movie out of the fact that everyone involved is an unreliable narrator, yeah, yeah. which is so smart and so unorthodox.
1: Yeah, yeah, the, the, the sort of unreliable narrator thing is a thing, you know, yeah. that we, you know, go yeah. and train trying all that kind of stuff. About. But, but there, here, uh, where they simply assessed very yeah. quickly that you know what. All of you people are lying, and we're going to record every lie that you tell, and we're going to make a movie out of all that's your it. lies. We're going to let you contradict each other and kick that's the it. snot out of each other, and, and that's it.
0: And do not miss the Craig Gillespie audio commentary. It is so rich and so informative and so interesting, and it just it fills in so many gaps. Every question you have when you watch this movie, go back to the beginning, listen to the commentary. It fills in it. And you know what?
1: When I say that everybody's lying, what's interesting about the movie, if you watch it, particularly if you watch it more than once. The fact of the matter is, everyone isn't lying. No, they're telling their truth. They're telling their truth. Yeah. Uh, Everyone tells a lie. Everyone says a thing that they fundamentally know isn't true.
0: I hate to to make the Roshman example because it really isn't Roshman. It's not structured like Roshman. But there is a similar dynamic
1: at play, which is that everyone is telling their truth. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. you know, it's it's a perspective thing. Tanya comes off, well, you know, the character of, uh, because you know what? She's yeah. she's like no, I remember it like this, you know. This yeah. guy punched me in my head, you know, yeah. and uh, and he's like, what are you talking about I don't really punch anybody." In the head, you? <laughs> I'm like, you know what, Galooli, I think you punched that chick. <laughs> I yeah. think you did. Um, the man who invented Christmas, which I think was a movie that we thought that we would have been talking about, yeah, it didn't uh, uh, around you know Christopher Plummer uh, again, uh, who also didn't happen, um, yeah. because of, you know all the all the money in the world, and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Anyway, um, this movie was uh, basically Dan Stevens, Christopher Plummer, Jonathan Price. Uh, Doing a version of uh, the Dickens story, Scrooge, only told from within, inside from inside the story. I guess uh, presumably the real story, the book was based on yeah. something
0: like something that. Something like that. Yeah. I let me. Here's all I'll say about this: is that I love Dan Stevens as an actor. Love him to death. All the way. Uh, Downton Abbey was the first time I was exposed to him. He's great. And then he, of course, you know, uh, segwayed from Downton Abbey.
1: Legion and all that, yeah.
0: he's into an instant career. I mean, suddenly Hollywood was calling. They said, we want you. And uh, his agent said, payday time yeah. now. Yeah. Let's line you up. Yeah. Just line them up and knock them down. And he's been working nonstop back to back to back to back TVs and movies and indies and studios and Beauty and the Beast and this and everything else. And it seems like every other week I'm seeing Dan Stevens in a movie, and he's playing a psycho killer from Alabama, and then he's playing Beast, and then he's playing Charles Dickens. And he's just – he is everywhere, everywhere right now. And um, I get it. He's collecting the money. Yeah. He's getting checks. He's in his prime earning years. But Dan – Slow down. You gotta be careful, baby. Be careful you because be careful. you are gonna be. If you keep this up, you will become
1: Nick Cage. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah you, my no, warning. It's, it's, I'm just gonna leave. It, I'm gonna leave that be there. Careful. It's a complicated thing. Uh, bonus features: the story behind the man who invented Christmas. Bonus feature.
0: So Woody Allen's Wonder Wheel got beat up by critics, and, and Woody continued to get uh, beat up a little bit, too, with the, the, the Me Too moment. Uh, you know, I, 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 here's all I'm going to say. Everything I have to say about this film, I wrote in my review on cinegods.com, so go check that out. I think this is a fascinating movie for many reasons, but mainly because everything about it is Woody basically projecting yeah. a lot of the issues in his life. Uh, which he's been
1: doing for fifty years, now, been, but
0: nevertheless. But if you contrast this with with Annie Hall, this is almost like a bookend to Annie Hall mm. in terms of the, it's the, it's y- the y-
1: young Juno Temple being, young, being the yes. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's it's the it's it, it's a it's a very similar dynamic to well Manhattan actually I should say it's more it's it's the Annie Hall and Manhattan dynamics uh, both of those movies and it bookends them. And um, everything that's going on here, this love triangle, is exactly Woody and Sun yi and Mia mm. and, and everything related to them. And everything connects in a really interesting way.
1: Including The Punishments.
0: Including – it, it, it absolutely does. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a really interesting film set in the 1950s uh, at Coney
1: Island. Very theatrically staged like a play. And beautifully Which shot, by of, the way, almost by... kind of like a, 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 a Eugenio O'Neill sort of uh, James Belushi, uh, or, or, or yeah, James, James, yes, right, James, James Belushi. James Belushi actually quite good in the movie. Very good, and
0: and Eugene O'Neill is is a very valid connection to this. Uh, there there are uh, there are some interesting play connections. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I, I'll leave it at that. I talk about all that in the, uh, in the review, and you can go read that review. Uh, Vittorio Storaro photographed it beautiful, beautiful, typically great, as he always has been. Shot I think it film. got
1: beat up when, when everything went Look, I, I could see while well, some people were not nuts about the movie, but, but the, the situation, Ronan yeah. and all of that, slipped into our yeah. assessment of that movie. Yes, and and I did I didn't I, I didn't want to do that I just it didn't want to do have. that you it know um, I did, I didn't want speaking of Nick Cage Nick Cage Selma Blair mom and dad dark comedy this is actually a lot of fun this is a uh, combo <laughs> Blu-ray DVD you know because we you know, we poke we we poke Nicholas all the time this one uh, is really about the kids uh, mom and dad Selma Blair Nicholas Cage go completely bananas this is happening like all over the place and parents are going crazy and, and, and they're trying to kill their children, for it's like a twenty four hour thing and basically. Uh, this movie is about Nick Cage and Samuel Blair trying with all their might to kill their two children. It's just as hard as they possibly can and the two kids doing nice. everything they can to survive. That's a lot of fun. Yeah, That's a lot of fun. Yeah. And, uh, and, and you know, what the heck with that? I, you know, it's kind of nut, nuts and kind of goofy. Uh, enjoy it. There's nothing whatsoever in terms of special features on this Blu-ray DVD combo pack. Mom and Dad.
0: So in 2016, Anton Yelchin uh, made a movie uh, yeah. uh, called Porto, and uh, it is now out on Blu-ray. And it is, um, you know, I'm, I'm, it, it's, it's sad. Anton Yelchin really just kind of that, eh. that. That is one of those really tragic deaths. Uh, one of the last films that he made. And uh, a really sweet romance uh, that deserves to be seen. It's not anything extraordinary, but there is a bittersweet aspect to it. In in watching it with the knowledge that he's no longer with us, mm. um, this play, the South by Southwest last year. I think he was he already he'd already passed yeah. by the I time mean, it was the South by yeah. Southwest. Okay. Yeah, so I guess the movie was done, but not they did they, at least it was shot, but not cut at that time. Um. Anyway, it it really it's kind of one of like like the uh, the Ethan Hawke Julie Delpy Linklater movies yeah, basically before
1: and after sunrise. Yeah, especially. it
0: takes place in uh, the Portuguese city of Porto, hence the title Porto. And uh, it, she's from France and he's from America and and that's and it basically um, it basically follows that uh, the the Linklater formula almost to a T, but in a very interesting and original way. And what's nice about that is that you also get the uh, documentary on here, James Benning and Richard Linklater, a documentary uh, by the director of this film, Gabe Klinger, mm. uh, which was made in 2013. So th- it's, it's, uh, it's very clear that that you know Klinger is inspired by Linklater and he's looking to do something similar. And he actually does find his own voice here in a very interesting way. Uh, and also included here is um, Super 8 footage with Chantal Ackerman's unused voiceover. So mm. there's a double tragedy here is the involvement not just of uh, of uh, Yelchin, yeah. but Chantal Ackerman, who uh, took her own life yeah. uh, roughly around the same time. And uh, Jim Jarmusch was an executive producer on this. So there's a lot of uh, a great indie cred going into this, and it's a really, really su- uh, very sweet film. So highly recommended Porto on Blu-ray from Kino. And then lastly, Bird Boy, Forgotten Children. Love that movie. Did you like Bird Boy? I did. Did you really? You didn't like it? We talked about this on Film Week, uh, Charles and I, and and I think Lael was on too. Uh, I I just, it's just, it's weirdness. I don't get it. It's just all kind of crazy Spanish animated weirdness and... uh, you know anthropomorphic animals and bird boy is like some weird ghostly looking bird that thinks he's a boy or he's a boy that thinks he's a bird i don't know (laughs) i i I can't make this thing out it made no sense to me whatsoever um but it won a goya award in spain for best animated feature i don't know how many things it was up against i don't know how many animated features they make in spain but uh it uh anyway
1: Interested in, yeah. in, you know. it has got know. an interview
0: with the filmmakers, which doesn't, doesn't uh, illuminate the movie any for me. Uh, also as a short film. So anyway, uh, DVD and Blu-ray combo from uh, Shout Factory. Bird Boy, The Forgotten Children. Just a weird, weird animated movie. That's all I can say. Uh,
1: a fanatic hardball... Geldorf on uh, WBA this is this is a really great is a doc yeah and of course uh, sir sir geldorf uh, uh, of course is a uh, a noted figure for uh, for a number of reasons but he's also uh, a committed uh, sort of poet and, and and follower of his national the national of mythology of Yeats, yeah. uh, who who as a figure himself, of course, the thing about Yeats is Yeats probably had more to do with establishing the sort of national identity of for independence yeah. in that nation yeah. than than almost any other figure. Certainly, any of the figures from the more violent years that we associate with that period, the Michael Collinses and the, you know and all these kind of people, and and he did it with poetry and plays and and. And no guns. Yeah. Uh, so, which is a thing that gellof knows. This is a really, really powerful film, um, a documentary uh, that includes readings uh, of uh, Yates' poems and all kinds of stuff uh, from Elvis Costello and Lee Neeson and, and on and on and on. One of the things that he does not mention, though, in here, because he 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 constantly mentions uh, Yates as a poet, of course, which he was. But people forget that he wrote some almost almost fifty or if not more plays. He was a playwright too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but people forget that they you sing about the poetry. No, it's a wonderful playwright. Uh, in in any case, it' a beautiful, a beautiful movie with all kinds of extras, uh, including some stuff from uh, some tracks from Bono and Elvis Costello and uh, just just powerful stuff, particularly if you happen to be a fan of of Yeats. Uh, One Republic, One Republic Live in South Africa, Run Republic, Live in South Africa. Anyway, this is just a really neat concert um, uh, 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 film of this neat band of this band. It's been around for a little while now, actually, One Republic. And a very big show that they did in South Africa. Bonus features uh, include a uh, short documentary behind the scenes, and they go on a little tour of Sydney and uh, when, they go down to, when, when they go down to Australia. So neat stuff. Johannesburg, South Africa and a few other places. Vanilla Fudge live uh, at Sweden Rock. Vanilla Fudge has been around doing psychedelic this, that and the <laughs> other thing for 50 years for 50 years. These cats have been rocking. Uh and I gotta tell you it's amazing. Um this is great. They do all kinds of um they do all kinds of uh uh uh, uh covers and uh and 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 they're all, it's just a really, really, really neat uh DV DVD C D combination is what we have here. Vanilla Fudge Live at Sweden Rock 2016 50, 50th anniversary edition.
0: And then we've got oh, I'm gonna I'm, I'm go gonna borrow more. Porto. I'm gonna oh, borrow yeah, Porto. we already sure.
1: did it would be people i I'm, I'm borrowing Porto because I hadn't seen it. <laughs>
0: The uh, and then we've got a whole bunch of really cool stuff from Naxos uh, on the classical music end of things. Um, Symphonic visions, music for silent films by Ed Hughes. This is really, this is really, really good. Uh, it, it's I, I'm not familiar with Ed Hughes as a uh, as a composer, not the least bit, but I really, really enjoyed this. Now, uh, these silent films, uh, half of them are known silent films. And the other half is Brighton's Symphony of a City, which is a 47-minute uh, new film by Lizzie Thin, or Tyne, T-H-Y-N-N-E. I have no idea how you pronounce it. Mm. Don't even know her. Uh, but then in addition to that, you have the silent films Alice in Wonderland, uh, Journey to the Moon, The Nose, Night Music, and Sky Giant. Uh, and, uh, you know, this is a really interesting, a little bit avant-garde, but, but quite, a, quite a nice way for a composer to sort of make themselves known.
1: Yeah, and yeah. then
0: we uh, then we also have uh, William Shakespeare's Antony and Cleopatra by the Royal uh, Shakespeare Company from Opus Arte. Um, this is really quite interesting. Uh, Josette Simone plays Cleopatra. She's a little bit old for Cleopatra, to be honest. She's but she's amazing. It doesn't matter. You don't need that. You know Shakespeare is uh, is sort of non-discriminating that way. You can you can have you can play with it and you can fold it any any way you want. Uh, she's really, really quite amazing. And um, everybody else here is amazing. A lot of actors here that I would love to see uh, really kind of move to the screen. Really incredible. Uh, Anthony Byrne, Ben Allen, uh, Lucy Phelps who plays Octavia is just tremendous. Really, really interesting. Anthony and Cleopatra. uh, Very, very legendary play. Never really been done properly for uh, for the screen. So Mm. it'd be nice to see something uh, transition there. Giuseppe Verdi's. Oh, Verdi.
1: Oh, yeah,
0: we have, yeah, we have Verdi as well. Giuseppe Verdi's La Forza. Oh,
1: the force of destiny. Uh,
0: Del Destino. Del Destino. Uh, staged by David Pounty and uh, with the uh, Vienna Staatsoper Orchestra, Choir and Orchestra, uh, conducted by Zubin Mehta. Uh Beautifully done. Really, really impeccable. Uh, just a great staging. Absolutely nothing to not recommend it. That's on. These are all on Blu-ray, by the way. Every single one of these is on Blu-ray. Uh, And then uh, we have uh, Tchaikovsky's Peak Dame*, which is also beautifully staged. Really, really impressive work from the Dutch National Opera. Uh, You know, even small European countries just have amazing opera and ballet traditions, and they just put so much in. It's so hard to find, like, that inner that rare Dutch movie, mm. and yet they just do these amazing opera productions. So if they could put as much into their movies as they put into their stage productions, it'd be just amazing. Uh, so this is wonderful. This is brand new, Peak Dom, music by Tchaikovsky from the uh, Dutch National Opera.
1: Matthias Schoenhart's notwithstanding, He's Dutch, right? Matthias Belge. He's, he's Belge. Belgian? Okay. He's no, Belgian, yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, and then a whole bunch of stuff from Mozart. So I'm gonna go right down this little Mozart stack. We got Mozart, and then a oh yeah,
1: of... the Lover's Garden.
0: So The Lover's Garden from Mozart. This is this and uh, the Marriage of Figaro, Le Nozze di Figaro, both staged by the Teatro alla Scala in Italy, um, which we've mentioned a lot. Beautiful, beautiful staging in both cases. Really, really just flawless and 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 effortless. Um, a lot of great performances here that just will blow your mind if you if you like Mozart operas. Uh, the last two. This one is um, uh, also. Well, hold on. Let me. So we have another Marriage of Figaro here. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah, this is from the uh, Theatre des de Champs-Élysées in Paris. Uh this is a little bit more traditional, kind of a little bit more low key, uh very sparse. Uh not quite as, you know, uh, flamboyant as as the Italian one, but it's, you know, worth uh, worth checking out as well. Uh directed by Pierre Barret, who does a lot of uh, stage in France. And uh then lastly, des Königs Zauberflöte Uh, Mozart, this is a little kind of very modern staging of Mozart, but what's nice about this is it's Dolby Atmos. Yeah, It's an import from uh, Cala Media, and uh, it was shot with an Arri Alexa, so it's going to look dazzling on your Blu-ray player. I'm a little bit amazed they didn't do a 4K version of this, because with Dolby Atmos and uh, the, the the resolution you get on the uh, Ari Alexa, it would have just been a mind-boggling thing to look at and mm. listen to. So anyway, uh, that's there. And uh, let me get the last ones uh, here. Tukowski. We've got yes, Sleeping Beauty uh, from the stage by the Royal ba- uh, the uh, Royal Ballet and the Royal Opera House in the UK. Uh, beautifully done. Uh, you know, can't really go wrong there. Uh, and then also from the Royal Ballet. Pas de Deux, an <laughs> exceptional collection of ballet duets. This is just kind of a potpourri of uh of stuff from a lot of great ballets. For people who don't particularly like ballet and don't want to have to sit through one entire ballet. You can watch all sixteen of these cool little clips and mm. uh With some great dancers. Don Quixote and you know Alice in Wonderland and uh uh, Romeo and Juliet and, you know, a lot of great stuff on here. So it's just, it's just really, really great ballet dancing. The big, the big scenes. The big scenes, yeah. yeah. Uh, best hits. Yeah. Greatest hits. And then lastly, live from the 2016 BBC Proms at the Royal Albert Hall, which I have jogged around many times, never been inside, uh, is, uh, is, you know, this is the, uh, the Munich Philharmonic. Uh, just a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful performance of a whole bunch of great classical pieces. Uh, it includes uh, Ravel's Bolero. It includes Piano Concerto 3 from Rachmaninoff. Um, Richard Strauss's Der Rosenkavalier. Yeah. Uh, there's the Hungarian March by Berlioz. It's just really, really great and uh, p- beautifully performed by the Munich um, Philharmonic and Valerie Gergiev and uh, with some great soloists as well. Uh, this is just, you know, it's a big thing in the UK. Mm. One of these days I'll go to the Royal Albert Hall, but on <laughs> occasions when I've jogged around it, it's quite exciting. Good enough. You will know, go through Hyde Park and yeah. then you skip over to around the Royal Albert Hall and you go, man, who knew too much was shot inside there. That's cool. And I'm never going inside. So anyways, three miles. Is. What was it? Three miles. Yeah. It's about three, about three, about yeah. three miles the whole, yeah. yeah. The whole circle. Yeah. It's good stuff. Good times. And then, of course, when you're in Hyde Park, you go to the Peter Pan (laughs) statue, and you feel very British and very classical, and... Yeah, and it's cold. Uh. It's cold running around
1: that, that area. Yeah,
0: anyway, well, that's it. That is our show this week. Oh. Um, we, talked vis-
1: the, we talked about the Oscars for like 20 minutes. Yeah, it's now. fine. What are, what are so you do? Uh,
0: gods at digigods.com. Go ahead and email us. Visit the cinegods.com site. Uh, we're going to be making some changes shortly to try to spruce that thing up a little bit. So email us any of your suggestions. Visit the Cinegods page on Facebook, please. Mm. And, uh, and, uh, and like it and uh, spread the word around. We're trying to get all these things ramped up and uh, do so through the rest of
1: the year. We will see. Did, yes. Did, did we mention that the the, the uh, Film Week program now airs? Oh, that's right. On did we mention this? We did not. On the show? So yeah. it was Film Week, the program that we're yeah. on, you know, yeah. NPR affiliate. Which you can download as a podcast. You can download as well. a podcast. But that's what happens. It airs on Saturdays now. Yeah. And we were told that the ratings literally doubled. Between Friday, Between Friday and Saturday. Between Friday and Saturday. A whole new uh, audience. Yeah. Listen listen to that show. That's fantastic. fantastic.
0: that's great. Yeah. That is great. So yeah, if you're if you're in LA, then you you're you're around 89.3 mm-hmm. FM on a Saturday. Go ahead and listen to filming. What time is it on Saturday? On
1: Saturdays is at noon. On at Fridays noon. it's at eleven.
0: Yeah. yeah, very good. All right. With that, we will see you guys next week. We'll <laughs>
1: as is martin
0: sheen as one of these uh, two punks who uh terrorize people on a on a new york subway really gritty uh kind of cinema verite look to this oh, thing Ruby the Brock Peters, it's terrific Tony
1: Mastante, that, that, you know yeah. real john Cassavetes sort of feel to it not and john s- Cassavetes, but that
0: mood and pierce does a commentary here with uh with uh, uh, nick redman from uh, from twilight time so it's just absolutely terrific film and I think that's it then. Yeah. So we are we are done this week. We will be back next week to talk about the Oscars.